Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Nile and Nine podcast. It's Nile and Andrea here with your weekly dose of new music and uh, chat. Uh, I'm Nile or Nine, and beside me here is Andrea Cleary. Hello. How are we doing? Very well. How are you? Good. Good. It's unseasonably warm. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's quite nice. Yeah, I'm I, enjoying it. I'm into it. It's been a lovely autumn day. It has been. And uh, I wonder, do we have any autumn music for you? Um, oh, I, I think we might have just the ticket. Yeah, we'll be our talking, album of the week. We were talking about Cat Power's album Wanderer very soon. Um, but in the meantime, um, we're going to talk about some music news and see what's been going on in the world of music. Anyone who's uh, based in Ireland will know that um, the, it was Budget Day um, yesterday. Happy Budget um, Day this week. Um, so uh, yes, and uh, you know it's one of those things that often gets lost you know as a self-employed person sometimes you have to read through the noise to figure out where you stand and all that but uh, particularly for an artist um, and the only thing I can really tell you in terms of art and music is that the Arts Council got a 6.8 million uplift in the Arts Council budget for 2019 what does that actually mean well uh, uh, two years ago uh, or last year actually Leo Radker uh, promised that he would uh, deliver um uh, increased arts funding and uh, would double it by uh, in the next seven years. So in the context of the Arts Council, that means that its funding in 2024 will be 130.2 million. Um, so it got a 10% increase yesterday to um, 75 million. Okay. Um, so it's on the way, but not quite there just yet. So it looks like he's going to have to increase that. Uh, as it goes on in the next few years. But, uh, you know, for context, I guess, uh, the Arts uh, Council budgets go to various different uh, bodies. Um, That's not just music. Yeah, it goes to a lot of different people, theatre and arts and, and whatever else. And um, in terms of music, what's relevant is that it goes to some recording schemes and stuff like that. It goes to some instruments. Um, it can go to touring and Culture Ireland. Uh, I don't know if the Culture Ireland thing is totally included in this. Um, that can be a separate thing sometimes. But just to give you a context, the Arts Council budget started in 2007 as $83 million, um, And then it dropped in 2009 to 73 and then it dropped in 2010 to 68.7. So it's kind of, it was languishing around at its lowest point. It was at 59.9 million 
2013. So now it's back up to 75. So back to 2009 levels are just above. So still a long way to go to um, 130 million. Um, That's what it's going to be in 2024, account- <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, yeah. accounting okay. for inflation and all that kind of stuff. And depending yeah. on whether... Uh, Fianna Gael are still in power, but um, you look, that's um, some some real world uh, practical applications for um, arts in the budget. On the upside, though, we're all going to have an extra fiver <laughs> from our USC, so get, get planning on what you're going to do with that, lads. It's yeah. going to be wild. Who said this this week, Andrea? Yeah. I won't not fuck you the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> period. I won't not fuck you the fuck up, period. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Uh, it was Lana Del Rey. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Lana Del Rey was announced for a gig in Malahide Castle the week before Glastonbury next year. Um, so she'll be here next summer. But this was in response to uh, our old friend, my friend and yours, and everyone else's, Azealia Banks. <gasps> Banks chat. <laughs> it's back. Oh my God. Yeah, Tell so, me everything. Uh, she has issued a forewarning. <laughs> this is her forewarning to Azealia Banks. Uh, so this all started when Lana Del Rey um, started, uh, left a comment on Kanye West's Instagram, I think, uh, calling him out about his Trump support. Okay. And Kanye is apparently meeting Trump on uh, tomorrow, um, this week. So that's one thing. Uh, and then, so she said, uh, your support for him is a loss for the culture. And Azealia Banks weighed in, as she's wont to do, <laughs> and said, uh, don't use Kanye for your own vapid attempts to seem politically aware when there's so much more bootleg witchcraft you could be doing to try and take down 45 <laughs> president. Trump. Kanye is not your enemy or the enemy. In fact, your selective outrage makes you the enemy. So, Bootleg witchcraft. <laughs> Bootleg witchcraft. Which I know she's practiced before. Oh, yeah, Azealia. yeah. Yeah, what so. a call out, though. <laughs> nice so then, one. Um, last night, Lana Del Rey took their feud to a new level, directing a tweet at Azealia Banks. You know the addy, pull up any time, say it to my face, but if I were you, I wouldn't. <laughs> Lana Del Rey, though. Like. So that's when came the, I, I won't not fuck you the fuck up. Period. I won't not fuck you the fuck up, period. And then she kind of like personally insulted her by saying, Banks, you could have been the greatest female rapper alive, but you blew it. Don't take it out on the only person who had your back. So there's history there, clearly. Um, yeah. So then apparently um, Azealia Banks uh, started saying stuff about um, her and Del Rey it, offered her surgeon's number oh and said your psych meds aren't working. This is a guy in a bit ugly very quickly. Oh, God. Uh, but I know Banks is treading to sewer. Um, so. Azealia Banks is so busy <laughs> all the time. No wonder she doesn't have time to I put wonder, out albums. I wonder what her lawyer fees are like. I'm sure oh God, yeah. she has a busy, busy lawyer. I'd love to be her lawyer. Like, you, you're <laughs> you? never not up the walls with something. You're always busy. Yeah, who did you hit this week? Uh, <laughs> Riza, okay. No, uh, Russell Crowe, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I know his lawyer. That's yeah, fine. We'll yeah, sort it out. We'll sort it out. Okay. <laughs> it's Grimes. Okay, okay. Elon Musk. Okay. Yeah. Um, Lana Del Rey Lana threatened Del Rey to now. fuck you up. What? <laughs> this is new. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. Um, for, for some reason, I, I just... I think even if Lana Del Rey was in my face shouting those words at me, I don't think I could be afraid. No. She's just, well, she just seems so, I don't know, ethereal. And like if she punched you, her hand would just like float through your face. I mean, it seems like she's pretty low energy, but you know, that's her persona, right? So it's hard to know if that's her. That's true. Yeah. I, I don't know if she has the capacity to to fuck Azalea Banks up. But that is, that's a celebrity death match that is worthy of um, 
reigniting that that show for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, Conor McGregor can do it. Why not? No, oh, no, don't talk about Conor McGregor. No, no. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, best of luck to Lana. Um, yeah, I've, I've no interest in Conor McGregor just for the, for the you know, there you go. Yeah. Um, I've no interest in the fight either and all that behaviour. Yeah. It's fine. Um, yeah, so what else has been going on this week? Uh, so Taylor Swift has finally broken her political silence and there are reasons why that matters. Yeah. And was, I'm going to was, tell you why. That was going to be my question. <laughs> so she's kind of famously in the past avoided any kind of political discourse. Um, she started out as America's country sweetheart um i wasn't sure what you were going to say there <laughs> okay sorry about that yes started- i don't know just the way you said it i wasn't sure where you were going with it um that so she's like you're a fan <laughs> yeah i'm i have a difficult relationship with taylor swift but um she yeah she sort of she has have this a real relationship with you uh, she's never tweeted me back okay. so you know one of these days um but she has a kind of a red state sentimentality about her do you know like, well she comes from country music which yeah. is uh, often considered conservative and republican yeah. so. and she's got this all American girl aesthetic which you know pre-Trump is just it was what it was and then the election happened so that w- that's been kind of her image since the day she walked out of like the pop star factory um, but it it, make, it made sense at the time I think because it kind of created this unified group of Swifties who aren't, you know, I'm voting Republican, I'm voting Democrat, I'm nine years old and don't have a vote yet, but my parents, etc. So, uh, yeah, and then bizarrely in, tw- in 2017, she was held up by a lot of alt-right groups as being like this Aryan goddess um, and her silence on the, on the election was kind of taken as a sign by some people that she in fact voted for Trump. So in the past week, she has spoken out not once, but twice. On Sunday, she wrote this big, long Instagram post. I won't read the whole thing out, but parts of it are as follows. I'm writing this post about the upcoming midterm elections on November 6th, in which I'll be voting in the state of Tennessee. In the past, I've been reluctant to publicly voice my political opinions, but due to several events in my life and in the world in the past two years, I feel very differently about that now. I always have and always will cast my vote based on which candidate will protect and fight for the for the human rights I believe we all deserve in this country. I believe in the fight for LGBTQ rights and that any form of discrimination based on se- sexual orientation or gender is wrong. I believe that the systemic racism we still see in this country towards people of colour is terrifying, sickening and prevalent. So not really saying anything there. Uh, but then she calls out just a senator. Um, she says, as much as I have in the past and would like to continue voting for women in office, I cannot support Marsha Black- Blackburn. Um, uh, she's, I, I looked into this Marsha Blackburn lady and like, yeah, she's not, she's not great. Uh, she's endorsed by Trump. So um, she kind of talks about how Marsha Blackburn's gross and then uh, she encourages her fans to please please educate yourself on the candidates running in your state and vote based on what most closely represents your values. So the post in general kind of reveals a lot. It reveals that in the past she's voted for women which maybe is a veiled kind of indication that she might have voted for Hillary. I don't know. Um but importantly, it marks Taylor Swift finally as a pop star who's actually willing and able to discuss politics with her fans. And so that was the floodgates opening. In yeah, way, pretty so. much. It's it's like she she not only came out uh, like supporting kind of minority groups, she came out and like unequivocally said that in November she's voting for two Democrats. Right. Which is huge because 
of her fan base, I suppose, uh, being like young, young women just coming up to the age to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... And then she spoke again at an awards, is that right? Yeah, so she absolutely cleaned up at the American Music Awards. Uh, she opened the show uh, and she broke the record for the most amount of AMAs, beating out Whitney Houston. Um, and she's got 23 in total, which is madness. Like, So she encouraged, in her acceptance speech, she encouraged her fans to register to vote. Um didn't say anything about the All Democrats at that stage, but I think that this is a sign now, like between this and the Instagram post, it's a sign of like a more politically conscious Taylor Swift, um, which I think can only be a good thing. Like the the impact of this is insane. Like since the Instagram post went up uh, over 50,000, within 24 hours of that happening, like Obviously, a, a portion of this is due to it and a, and a large portion isn't. But over 50,000 people registered to vote within those 24 hours. And in her state of Tennessee, of Tennessee, um, there was a spike in registration with uh, 2,811 registrations from September increased to 3,582 in October so far. And two, just under 2,200 of them were in the 24 hours after that Instagram post. So like there's a correlation there for sure. Yeah, I guess it, it's become like uh, the um, state of America is a hard thing to ignore for any artist, even mm. if you're Taylor Swift. So you have a platform, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's a good thing. Uh, some some real world change. Yeah. Perhaps even if she's not totally committing to saying much about what she really wants to, you know, her, not full disclosure really, but yeah. it is enough there to suggest, okay, that's what she does. And I think it's especially because of how, you know, how big on feminism her 1989 tour was uh, with the whole girl power thing and then her reputation tour was just so, you know, like this is this is the third wave, this is feminism, etc., and then for for this to be happening alongside an election in which, you know, one of the candidates is a sexual assault um, kind of guy. <laughs> sexual assault guy, Deviant. Donald Trump. Deviant, yeah, whatever word you want to put, put in Narcissist. there. And the other is Hillary Clinton, um, who, you, you know, probably everybody has their issues with Hillary Clinton, but like... She was kind of eerily silent in a time when very few were. So I don't know if it's too little too late, but at least for these midterm elections, there is something coming from her and there's some kind of encouragement to register and to vote. Do you think um, in a smaller way, is there anything that uh, any Irish artist could do or any Irish personality could do to convince um, young people to vote here? Although having said that, we have been very much socially engaged in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and the trend, we, Ireland has generally booked the trend for what's going on worldwide, mm. you know, in terms of uh, social progress and all that kind of stuff. So do you think that, I don't think there's anyone as influential in Irish life, perhaps, to young people. Would there be? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I, th- when, when we compare our kind of political system to America, it's we 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 don't have like Republicans and Democrats. We we vote very much on like a local level here. Yeah. So if you have such and such who's in a very you know well known and respected band or Hosier or whoever, like I think the the most impact that they can make is in their kind of constituencies, which is 
or difficult on social issues is what we've seen. Yeah, really. it's social issues more than anything. But all of our all of our politicians and all of the parties that we are given choices between are so wishy washy on these issues that we don't ever really know what we're voting on. Yeah. Whereas in like if you look at the states, it's you're either you know a racist or you're a lefty cook, yeah. and those are the two. Well, isn't that options. what's wrong with America uh, anyway yeah. in terms of its political system? Yeah, I, th- I, can't, I, th- I can't imagine versatile coming out and like supporting, um, you know, uh, well, maybe the Greens or something. Yeah, but I do. I, th- I think that's a really good point, though, that we do lack that kind of. Um, we, we we have a lot of political discourse from our musicians, but we don't have any or very very little endorsement of actual politicians here. Yeah, and true. I think that that would be a good start. Yeah, maybe. it'd be interesting to see if that would actually happen. And <clears throat> we're not going to get a, an actual election for maybe another year, yeah. two years, year and a half. Yeah. This is obviously not counting our presidential election. Yeah, but that's, but th- you know, that, that's a different thing. Yeah, it's that's a different a, thing entirely. It's a farcical thing in its yeah. own way. Um, for anybody listening who's not... In Ireland, our president is not our sort of prime minister person. Our president is a figurehead physician, and it's not like voting between Trump and no Hillary. It isn't, etc. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that'd be it'd be interesting to see. I mean, the blasphemy laws, the other thing that's coming up soon here. But um, oh yeah, I think that's I would imagine that's a pretty Jesus Christ, my God, it's going to be mad. <laughs> Are you sure you can say that? Now? <laughs> I'm not sure you're allowed to say that. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be. Jesus Christ. Can't Jesus Christ. Oh God, <laughs> Holy Mary, mother of God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's Big Swifty coming out. There all you go. Politics blazing. Good on you, Matt. So that's that's pretty much all our news this week. Um, it's been a quiet enough week, though, quiet generally week, speaking, hasn't it? But yeah. no, no matter. We'll, we'll continue. Um, I'm just enjoying the autumn buzz in general. Oh, that's good. Um, but we'll go to songs of the week. Uh, our first song of the week is from Anderson Pack and Kendrick Lamar. It is from uh, Anderson Pack's forthcoming Oxnard, Oxnard, sorry, um, album, which has no release date yet. But the song is called Tints. Kind of cooped up, cooped up. I'm trying to get some fresh air. Hey, well, you got the roof off, roof off. You know it never rains here. Hey, you ain't got a flash or you're taking your picture. You ain't got to drown or waste your retention. Paparazzi want to shoot ya, shoot ya. Niggas dying for less out here. You probably think a nigga trolling 
Like, but showing out for the cameras. Right. Fuck, I'm doing fish bowling. Side. 100,000 on the passenger. Bitch, I'm Kendrick Lamar. Respect me from afar. I was made in this image. You call me a god. Everybody in attendance. I'm about to perform. Everybody get offended by the shit I got on. Like, can you buy that nigga? Now, honey, horse, can you drive that nigga a G5? Can you fly that nigga? I need 10 so I can look at the snakes and poses. I need 10. Cause bomb head is non disclosure. I need 10. So I can live with a peace of mind without niggas taking a peace of mind. And peace be still and not do fine. So fuck a fix it ticket. You pull me over and might see. One of your bitches. That's Pack and Kendrick Lamar on a new song called Tints, espousing the um, the niceties of having tinted windows on your on your cars. That used to be so cool. I'm I'm really happy they brought that back as a concept. <laughs> I remember being really young and seeing cars with tinted windows and being like, ooh. Is that a famous person? But no, it's probably just some boy racer. Mm. Uh, yeah, they um, obviously craving a bit of privacy. Perhaps mm. on tour. That's what I think it's all about. Um, but mostly it's just a fun, a fun um, Anderson Pack song with a Kendrick Lamar feature. Yeah. What do you make of the feature? Uh, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Kendrick doesn't probably hold himself a lot to the same standard on uh, features as he does his own tracks. And yes. I think that's fair enough because he doesn't have to. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> he can I kind of do what he wants when he when he when he decides he wants to be on a track. Yeah. It's not like his bad blood feature or anything. It's not as bad as all that. No, um, it's not like Cashy and I have to do this. I'm yeah, yeah. But I think when Anderson I... Anderson is great. Yeah, well, that's the thing. When I saw Anderson Pack featuring Ken, Kendrick Lamar, I was so excited for it. And I think that the song generally is great. It's really laid back. It's that kind of chill California sound, like really just breezy and nice. But... Then Kendrick's verse just kind of let me down a little bit because I just, I, I adore him and I expect so much from him and that when he doesn't absolutely nail it, I'm, I, get, I get a bit sad. But Give the man a break, will you? I know. Sorry, Kendrick. <laughs> it's fine. I still yeah. love you. But he, um, He's so good that you just he just can't uh, get away with a, a okay verse. <laughs> like, uh, if this was anyone else, grand, great verse, you know, sounds great. The... the the kind of the cadence of it is cool. His flow sounds really good, but I'm just like, it doesn't have that Kendrick factor in it or well, something. Yeah, it is an Anderson Pack song. It does fit in with Anderson Pack Sony uh, funky yeah. vibe for sure. Um, interesting what, what the album will be like. Um, it'll be the follow up to Malibu, which is one mm. of my favorite albums of the last five, ten years. Awesome album. Uh, into it a lot. Um, our next track was actually by, is by an artist who was sampled by Kendrick um, in 2013, I believe, on Good Kid Mad City. Um, they are called Mr. Twin Sister. They were called Twin Sister then. But they've just announced a upcoming album, their fourth in total. Um, they are a band from New York. And uh, this is their new song, Tops and Bottoms. Tangled in my garments Run out of space Will I ever get to wear all of this? Do I even like any of it? Cheap shit I Tapping by, there are some men I don't want looking at my 
That is Mr. Twin Sister. The song is called Tops and Bottoms from the forthcoming album Salt. Uh, a favourite of mine for sure, a band that I really like. Um, they've always, in, I guess in recent years, they started kind of very indie, dreamy music. Um, and now kind of more... Um, what would you call them? I mean, they're kind of disco, funk, and R and B, and a bit of everything else. Oh, I keep pressing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, <laughs> so we, we just discovered there during while we were listening to that that um, you excitedly realised that the singer's name is Andrea too. Yeah, I'm surprised you don't know that many Andreas. No, so there's me, obviously. There's Andrea Bocelli. There's Andrea Core. <laughs> I know. And there's Andrea, Andrea Estella. Um, and I don't know many other Andreas. I know one other Andrea. Um, but there you go, yeah. There's, there's like I know too many Niles. And I know a few too many Nile Burns already, so. I know loads of Niles. Yeah. Honestly, like, it's mental. But I've met two Nile Burns in my life. Jesus. And uh, one of them is in the Red Egg Manifesto, the band. I probably talked about this before somewhere. Um, and he got paid for something I did once. <laughs> and and was sound enough to tell me about it. And uh, the other actually owned NileBurn.com and ended up going out with my sisters. Or my... my he ended up going out with my uh, wife's sister. That's mental. When I was dating my wife. That is mental. And we went on a double date and it was so <laughs> weird. That didn't last. <laughs> There's only room in this family for <laughs> one Nile <Burn>. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was strange. But partly responsible for, for Nilebourne.com in oh. a way because I probably went, I went, would have probably went to buy Nilebourne.com and he was like, he, was in, he already owned it. Okay, right. So funny, just I ended up meeting him in a Mental. really weird circumstance. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the song by Mr. Twin Sister. Uh, they're a band I just really enjoy and uh, they're great and uh, yeah, they have an the album singer is called the, Andrea so yeah. you're on board. I'm on board. I'm into it. Um, they have an album at the end of this month, I believe. Yeah, they've been doing once-off singles and they had this, like, uh, their website has, like, a, a, a 24-hour stream of kind of radio-style stream that you can't skip or any. It's just, like, uh, whatever tunes they're into and then loads of their new stuff is in there somewhere. Oh, that's pretty cool. So they've just been doing that for the last while. Um, and, yeah, I'm just a fan. So into that, uh, our next act is from uh, a track from Little Dragon. Um, they are on a new label, um, Ninja Tune, and they have an EP coming out in November, and they just dropped this song. It's called Lover Chanting.
That's a new song from Little Dragon. It's called Lover Chanting from a forthcoming EP um, on their new label, Ninja Tune. I guess why that's noticeable is that um, generally they've been on major labels, I think, and they're, they're a band that do quite well for themselves. So interesting to see them move to an independent. Maybe indicates that they want to change something a bit. This is kind of a, a nice song that doesn't really grab me any more than oh that's cool I like that I actually I, I dig this quite a lot I think there's there's cool layers in it there's a, like loads going on um, I really like the kind of funky almost Prince like vocals oh don't get me wrong I, I like the song cool. but it just you know um, yeah I wasn't like deeply emotionally like, affected oh, by it or anything a lot, <laughs> yeah know. yeah um, it's, but um, it is a song that they say um is for all the lovers out there. Oh, you don't get that enough anymore, I don't Dance think. for peace and unity, guys. <laughs> in this world of madness. Oh. They've been reading Lana Del Rey's Do you streets. know what? They're right, though. <laughs> really. We could but, all learn a little bit. Well, the EP is apparently about the force of love, not only between two people, but the force of love in this universe as the ultimate ecstasy. And that's what we're all about. Hi, really. guys. <laughs> and there you go. Whether, whether, whether that is while you're dancing at a disco, forgetting where you are, or just staring at the moon on a clear night, it could be anything. <laughs> Swim in the ocean, glance at a stranger. It's a personal, individual thing. Call it what you want, but we've all felt it. <laughs> how do I vote get, for me for president. How do I get a job as their like, PR <laughs> copywriter person? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so I'm embrace into that the great mystery of everything that your brain can't grasp and lose track in the most beautiful sense. Like, if you're going to make those claims and you're not literally coming out with, Vibes. like, ladies and gentlemen, we're floating in space or something, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, good song, all the same. Good that they like stuff and uh, I'm have, glad they like have stuff. Uh, high ideals. Yeah. <laughs> and they're trying to bring some positivity in, the, in this shit show of a world. <laughs> um, it's the grim week. On the <laughs> I sound more negative podcast. than I tend to be. I'm, have, I'm in a very good mood. Sorry. Um, we'll move on, shall we? <laughs> in case I say anything else stupid. Um, here's another new uh, track from a band that I love. Um, I think I'm dominating the, the songs. The, the songs of the week are all you, man. It's, yeah, good, yeah. it's cool. This is Holy Ghost. The song is called Anxious. Search engine froze That's a new song from Holy Ghost. Um, they have released a couple of my favourite albums to, uh, on DFA Records. Uh, the first one, the uh, uh, subtitle album, was uh, an absolute gem and uh, just really, really great songs. Songs I play quite a lot still everywhere at home, DJing, 
on a nice walk looking at the moon (laughs) on a clear night (laughs) looking at the moon in the sky (laughs) thinking of the beautiful ecstasy of the world Um, (laughs) not quite Um, but uh, yeah they're a synth pop duo from Brooklyn they've been doing it for a while Uh, kind of operating at the same level uh, for a while but always making good tunes Mm. Uh, what's notable about this one is it's coming out on the uh, uh, no longer defunct um, West End Records, uh, uh, a disco label from the 70s, which was heavily associated with uh, Larry Levan and um, Tom Moulton, the producer, who actually does a... He, he's purported to be one of the inventors of the dance remix okay. um, back in the day. So he actually does a mix of this track on the EP, which is coming out on a 12-inch, and it comes with a... Um, a West End stamp and all that kind of stuff. So for people who are really into that kind of stuff, we're checking out their great band. I'm hoping that there's more. This indicates there's more music from them in the near future because awesome. that would be nice. Um, I haven't listened to their self-titled album, so I will give it a listen do, because I like the sound of this a lot. Yeah, a lot of fun. I think it's a, Michael McDonald is on it somewhere. Okay. Um, it's very good. Um, okay, next song is from Kate Trinata and, well, it's a Kate Trinata remix of Kalela. song is called Waiting and this is what it sounds like. So that's from a remix album from Kalela. I put this in because I just wanted to recommend the remix album. Um, uh, Kalela's Take Me Apart is is a brilliant album and uh, one that I probably didn't give enough time to at the time when it came out last year. Mm. So I've been listening to it again recently and just the song, the f- first song is so good, Frontline. There's so many great songs like that song, Waiting, the original version. But the remix album is kind of... Um, it, you know, it's a mixed bag in a nice way. It's like loads of different interpretations of um, her sound. And um, that's Kate Renata doing what he does, the bumping R&B kind of style. There's like uh, all sorts of remixes. They all come, what's interesting about it, they all come um, listed with the BPM as if they're oh. specially for DJs. So, oh, that's so a nice like, little oh, this gift. is 115 BPM. And then there's ones that are like 150, which are pretty heavy. And yeah. then other ones, like the likes, a lot of the, the remixes I don't actually know Gaika is one I do know, Serpent with Feet, uh, Rare Essence, and Santa Marta, who kicks off the uh, album, does a really nice version of, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's great. So do check it out if you like Kalela, um, that is out now. Um, have you seen her play before? She's amazing. I don't believe so. She's so I cool. don't think so, no. Yeah, um, anything from Kalela is pretty much worth listening to. In my estimation. Um, cool. That's Songs of the Week for this week. Uh, and now a word from our sponsor. 
Hello, my name is Phil Taggart. I'm a music broadcaster and journalist on BBC Radio 1. I've been playing in bands for way, way, way too long and I've been following them around like a lost dog since I was a kid. Uh, I started this podcast, Phil Taggart Slacker Podcast. Get this, I'm chatting in the third person already. To interview the great and the good of the music world. Not only do we get down to the questions you rarely hear asked, but we also get them to play their first ever demo. I mean, it gets proper raw gritty. The wonky versions of the huge songs that they end up becoming. On season one of the Slacker podcast, we've got Wolf Alice, Churches, Gary Lightbody, The Cribs, Leon Bridges, Miramasa, Aurora, Novelist, and loads more. Our first ever episode, which I'm really hyped about, is going to be with the Manic Street Preachers. And we've got a very, very special demo from 1986. I'd love to hear from you as well, uh, at Philly Taggart on Twitter and Instagram, to tell me what guests you would love to have on this podcast. Also, I'd love you to subscribe, rate, leave a comment, maybe buy this podcast dinner and tell it you love it and then never call it back but a subscribe would be absolutely ace the slacker podcast kicks off very soon with the manic street preachers thank you so much for your time thank you philly for uh filling us in on your podcast he's actually released um three episodes i think by the time you'll hear this and uh, manix was the first one wolf alice which is a really good episode worth listening to and then the latest mercury one is prize winning mercury prize yeah. winning yes um uh, bastille i think is the is the latest one basically as he as he says there he plays a demo from each of the bands and have, has a chat and it's such a, a cool concept it's a good listen slacker podcast check it out now it's time to move on to our albums of the w- album of the week. Just one album just of the week. Just the one. Just the one. It's been a quiet week, like we said. But, um, <laughs> we won't let that deter us. Our album of the week is from Cat Power. It is called Wanderer. And this is the lead track from it. It's called Woman featuring... Lana Del Rey. The boss-ass bi- boss bitch. <laughs> she Lana won't Del not Ray. fuck you up. She it's Lana Del Rey. <laughs> Woman, 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 woman. 
That is a woman from Cat Power from her 10th album, The Wanderer. Or Wanderer, it's called Wanderer, Just right? Wanderer. Yeah, her first since 2012, Son. And uh, Andrew, I know you're a fan. So yeah. how does this stack up for you? As a Cat Power fan, this is like such a treat. Well, for me anyway, because there's so many different kind of facets to her. And I think this album has all of the things that I love about her. Um, it's got interesting lyrics. It's got her sort of vocal range really being showcased in interesting ways. Uh, she's I, I've loved the cover albums that she's done. It's got a cover in there. It's just it's really, really great. And it's one of those. I'm, I'm glad it came out now when it did, because it is one of those for the kind of low sunlight w- yeah. walks to and to and from work kind of just there's something kind of also mystical about it. And I think that. Well, I obviously don't know this, but I think it's she she has benefited from that move to Domino. Um Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. Um this is her first album on Domino Records after a long career on Matador. Mm. Um and in a new in an interview with the New York Times recently, she said that her new album was uh, rejected by Matador. Yes. Uh, said who said it was not good enough, not strong enough to put out. And she also goes on to say the label wanted her to go more commercial after her last album cracked the US top ten. Um she says the Mac Matador executive played an Adele background uh, Adele album sorry mm. in the studio and saying that was how a record was supposed to sound now I don't know <laughs> I'm surprised by this firstly because Matador in you know by their output releases a lot of indie rock like alternative music so for them to say they wanted that I'm surprised by I'm not saying I'm not saying she's not this didn't happen in any way mm. but I'm just I'm just surprised and a little bit disappointed that's that's the way because like Cat Power obviously Chan Marcel is an artist who has a checkered history with mental health and anxiety and all that kind of stuff and pushing somebody like that into the limelight when mm. they're not ready or not wanting to is a strange thing. Yeah, it, it's it's very, it's a dangerous thing to do for somebody's kind of art as well, especially when you take someone like Cat Power, who's not only had this career in which she has sort of just re- released some of the most interesting music that's come out of America. Um, she's become this absolute powerhouse and the people that love her really, really love her. And to kind of try to commercialize that and put it in a box. Like I know we talked before about the, about, um, what's his name? Who's, who sings that one? Uh, uh, shotgun. Blah. Oh, George Ezra. Yeah. yeah we, we, we talked, talked last week about, last about week, George yeah. Ezra and about, you know, have, having something interesting about you, whether it's your voice or your style or whatever. And then, you know, just putting it into a pop box. Um, it's disappointing that 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 she had to leave that that record label because of that, but at least now we know that this is the album she wanted to put out. True, um, and I think it is shows some her resilience and her resolve in mm. terms of her what she wants to do. I couldn't, I mean, imagine what they were dreaming up, you know, yeah. in their heads about yeah. what a Cap Power record was going to be. Sure, like Sun was still, in, in as far as I remember, and I'd have to go back and listen to it, it was still on her own terms. And totally. It wasn't something that, um, you know, she wasn't trying to be overtly commercial, so it succeeded yeah. despite that. Yeah, I don't think she's ever put out anything that is, like, inauthentic. Yeah. But 
I'm, I'm glad that she got the fuck out of there before they made her do it. Yeah, she said a couple of other things that we maybe discussed before, but um, she said stuff like, uh, it seemed to be that because she was a female artist, that she wasn't treated with the same respect as the likes of Interpol um, and um, Pavement and whatever else who were on the label. Mm. Um, and, you know, she kind of laughs and checks herself in the interview in the New York Times by saying, look, look, I just, all I wanted was them to take me out for dinner. Yeah. But it was kind of a, this exasperation that she wasn't being treated um, with some respect. Yeah. As and, an and then to sit her down and play her an Adele record and say, this is what music sounds like. I mean, come on. It's, yeah. it's, it's the most... It's incredibly patronizing, first of all, to say you're a female musician. Here's the highest grossing female musician, perhaps, or in in that vein, in terms of like vocals or whatever. Um, It's incredibly patronizing. And she also got a bit of a fuck you in there to the label because she added woman after she left the label. Yeah. And 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 the song kind of does. She did a song about her and uh, talks about. Um, she's actually not ready to talk about the true subjects of the song and, mm. and what it is, but she does say it's about situational abuse she's experienced time and time again. So, you know, um, there's indications there that, uh, you know, she talks about her manager and how uh, her manager is, she's a new manager who's like fully supporting her and doing and seeing her as an artist mm. first and yeah. uh, not a product. Yeah. So, and that's the kind of artist she needs to be. And that's the kind of people you should align yourselves with. So Domino, uh, a good history of doing that. Yeah. They released the Villagers new album and kind of seem to let their artists do what they want. And, uh, you know, they're not seeking chart placements yeah. by it defaults, you know, and yeah. if it happens, it happens. Um, so as the album overall, um, how do you feel it, it sounds? To me, uh, there's a lot of bluesy, kind of folky, uh, quiet music here. Like mm. some, if I'm honest, some of it sounds like it's a little bit um, not fully developed in terms of um, like that woman song is the most maybe dynamic of yeah the album where the rest there's a lot of stuff that reminds me of her early work here mm. as well and um, so a lot of stripped back guitar and piano and rows and stuff like that in there um, I, I do feel a lot of similarities in her early work but ultimately I feel like this is her Kappa representing herself mm. and for that reason alone it's a good album yep yep I mean I I the the similarities with her early work and the kind of um, stripped back, nearly minimal instrumentation on most of the album. I'm actually a really big fan of. I like her use, especially of piano on this album. Um, she she does really interesting stuff on the second track. Uh, in in your face, for example, she's got a like the the, the rhythm is is led by like slapping a guitar um her like what woman is obviously the most kind of fleshed out bandy sounding that it's yeah. that, that it's going to be but it's one of those albums that i i think her she does in she does interesting enough things with her kind of vocal dynamics that the instrumentation is very much just there to either just support on a few songs and on other songs the piano especially really goes a long way to create a mood. And I, I I know we talk like, you know, about this time of year and it's autumnal and it's a bit spooky, but 
there are songs on this album that are incredibly atmospheric, given that there is only a, a guitar and a piano and a vocal happening. Well, know? she's very good at that she as well. Is. And we'll give you an example, perhaps. Will we? Um, the song Stay, which is a Rihanna cover, um, this is her version of it, which features on the album. And uh, yeah, let's have a listen. Really sure how to feel about it, something and the way you move makes me feel like I can't live without you. Yeah, takes me all the way. I want you to stay. Stay, a Rihanna cover. I have to say the first few times I heard that, I was like, that sounds really familiar, that, that first line. <laughs> and then she takes it in a different direction. And Completely, yeah. So makes it her own fully. Yeah, I think that song is really interesting. Um, it's, a good, it's a good indication of kind of what she's doing um, harmonically even elsewhere in the album. Like she's got, her her vocals are, are usually quite low in the register. She's got, she's got a, she's definitely like an alto um, I've heard the descriptors smoky. Yeah, you know whiskey, whiskey. whiskey yeah, <laughs> all of those, all of those kind of like she's she's got a the voice of a jazz musician singing Americana, you know. But she's got like the, in in that in particular, there's that balance between the piano being played really high in the register, like pitched up from what the original was. And then that really low kind of, I, I, I assume it's a cello that comes in and her vocals are quite low as well. And that happens a lot throughout the album, throughout her work more generally, where her her harmonies will be kind of missing the middle piece. Like if you're playing like a like a C, an E and a G, she just won't do the E. Like she'll she'll just have those kind of, outer um, tones and notes, which is interesting because it does, it lends space and it it kind of, it gives a bit of room um, for the songs to breathe. And she's not afraid to kind of hold back and let notes kind of ring out, uh, which I think is done really, really well on, on that particular track. Um, and it absolutely just blows the original song out of the water. Like she just completely... Like, like makes well, the it original around. is a great track as well. It is, it say. is, but like it's it just is. this this reimagined one. Just it it changes what what lyrics you're focusing on, and it just has a completely different mood to it. You know, it's yeah, yeah. it's it's entirely a cat power song, which is lovely about it. Yeah. So you're obviously a fan of this album, then. Yeah, I'm a big. But this this will for sure be on um, if I do end up doing the very stressful December activity of putting together a, a albums of the year list. I think this is probably going to rate quite highly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we actually might get a gig from her soon as well um, as part of that, perhaps. Yeah, um, hopefully. I know she's playing London, um, I think, next month. So maybe she might nip over. 
Cool. Well, this is going to be an album that you're going to be playing uh, throughout the uh, autumn. It seems. Throughout the oh yeah oh it's it's already uh, there's a, a a couple of tracks on my autumnal playlist. So um, yeah, I've been very much enjoying walking around, listening, wandering, if you will, <laughs> while listening to this album. Very yeah. good. Okay, uh, here's another track from the album to close um, our album of the week. Uh, it's called A Moi Me Voy. Anything you want to say about this one? Um. This this one actually is is a good example of her ability to sing low and pitch elsewhere high in the song. Um, it's very interesting. It's I, I think Mayvoy, which means I'm leaving or I'm going or something. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, let's hear you go. So that is our album of the week this week from Cat Power. It is called Wanderer, out now on Domino Records. Now, I haven't really been listening to an awful lot other than that uh, this week. Um, there's a David August album I've been listening to today, which I was really interested by. But the other thing that's been occupying my time, um, and we've talked about this uh, away from the podcast, is that I've been listening to the audiobook from Lily Allen, who, who has a memoir out um, called uh, My Thoughts Exactly. I'm sure most people know who Lily Allen is, uh, a pop star um, based in, in the UK, has four different albums out. Uh, her, she, her most recent album was Mercury Prize nominated but my god she's been through some stuff yeah, um, she's, god. So the, she's so resilient Jesus yeah let's play a bit of, uh, of a track from one of her albums this is The Fear Is Lily Allen, uh, just a uh, in case you didn't know who Lily Allen was, I'm sure most people do. Um, so she has an album out um, this year, which was Mercury Prize nominated, and 
Uh, she had a book out, um, and it is called My Thoughts Exactly. I've been listening to it, um, her read it, um, as an audiobook for the last few days. And uh, my God, has she been through the mill. Okay. Um, so, I mean, everyone would know Lily Allen as the pop star with the famous father who's kind of you know, has an opinion, maybe a bit gobby, does her own thing. Famous all that brother kind of, as well, doesn't famous she? Famous brother, yeah. he's in Game of Thrones, yeah. um, Alfie. And uh, she actually talks about him in the book and how um, she was kind of regrets. She wrote a song about him. I remember that on song. On her first album. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And she got like, she used MySpace in the early days and mm. used that as a platform to promote herself, um, but has never been able to shake um, the criticism that she got, had an easy ride and um, got to where she was because her dad was um, uh, a famous... Which, uh, funnily enough, Keith Alfie Allen. doesn't seem to mm. suffer from. Funny. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> well, there's quite a lot going on in this book. Um, just to give you an overview of some of the things that she talks about and some of the things she's experienced in her life. She lost her first child. She talks a lot about that. Um, she talks about the dissolution of her marriage and what happens as part of that and why. There's a lot of issues. Um, her dad, Keith Allen, who many people would know as uh, Fat Les Vindaloo, mm -hmm. and uh, I guess I'm more of a TV personality than an actor, maybe, but um, he um, does not come out of this looking good at oh. all. Um, and basically, there's a quote in, in um, the book about her dad. She refers to him quite, she seems to like him a lot, but seems to... Definitely recognise he's a narcissist. Okay. And, and she says, I've learned over the years that everything is about him. So fine. That's the deal. I've stopped trying to fight or bustle about trying to find a spare slot in the universe, his universe. And, and there's a good example of this where um, she's playing Glastonbury for the first time as an artist. And Keith Allen runs an area at Glastonbury or something. And uh, he came in before the show and was like, Oh look, uh, you know, um, you know, have a good one. Whatever, I have to go because um, I've, you know, I've got other stuff to do. Mm. And it's like she was like, "This is my debut performance at Glastonbury." Fucking and Glastonbury. It's like. a family. Like she talks about Glastonbury as her mecca. Essentially, her yeah. and her family always went there, and they've, she spent a lot of time growing up there. And so for her to play Glassman was a big, big deal. But her dad was just like, yeah, whatever. I have to go. Sort of nonplussed about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. And the, how, the fact that he's when he looked after them and when he was there, um, they he uh, left uh, her mother when she, he, she was four. Mm. And uh, how he used to leave them on um, like a baby baby crash basically in the Groucho Club uh, upstairs while he went downstairs drinking all Jesus. that kind of stuff he doesn't come across well from it but you know there's other things um, there's so many things she's had a very um, troubled existence in a lot of ways um, there's a lot of codependency is a constant theme in her life mm. uh, attaching herself to people that maybe she shouldn't attach herself to uh, she talks herself uh, about herself as being a bit of a narcissist like her dad as well Um she had a constant relationship with drugs and alcohol the, the entire time, up until about maybe two years ago. Okay. Um, the she talks about her sex life and how it pos how she didn't really like understand uh, sex much and how it possibly contributed to her slagging off others like Cheryl Tweedy yeah. uh, from Girls Aloud. Um, she said, "Sorry, Cheryl." Like there's there was a famous thing where she like called. I think Cheryl. Cheryl's been called Cheryl Tweedy in yeah, a very yeah, long yeah, yeah. time. Well, at the time, she was Cheryl yeah. Tweedy. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, she said, I was angry because I hadn't come yet, is what she says um, <laughs> in the book, uh, as a way of apology of why she uh, gave out to her. Aww. And then um, even on her most recent, uh, well, not her most recent tour, but a 2014 uh, She's This tour, um, she talks about how she slept with Liam Gallagher and how she had to cover that up um, mm. and all that kind of stuff. How she hired female escorts while she was on tour just to like, I don't know, feel something essentially and, oh God, and to her. occupy her time. Um, there's a lot going on in her life and the fact that she's got this far. It's just really interesting. She's very frank. Um, she talks about going AWOL for six months to the point where Chris Martin from Coldplay staged an intervention for her in LA because <coughs> she was just drinking constantly, oh taking God. other drugs. Uh, I guess most people might have heard about the book because uh, one of the things that came out in advance was that um, there was a lot of headlines about the revelation that she was sexually assaulted by an as on yet, yet unnamed uh, record label executive. Yes. Um, in the book, uh, she does talk about this and this is what most people might have heard about it. And she goes through it in detail and, and talks a lot about, you know, definitely how she was inspired by Me Too to... Um, share that story yeah. and um, I really admire her um, for for sharing some very deep um, you know experiences not only all of that but she talks about uh, how she um, she had a breakdown um, very recently as well and how this was, um, all came from the dissolution of her marriage and, and everything else um, so she still sounds like somebody who's very much dealing with these issues it can be very heavy at times but um, the other thing is that um, she w- had a stalker um, for mm. seven years that she didn't even realise was happening until um, he appeared in her bedroom one night while her kids were uh, next door um, in in the in the in her house um, and talks a lot about how she wasn't taken seriously by the police yeah. and how um, he was eventually caught and uh, basically a, a guy who had uh, very bad uh, mental health problems who w- would appear at her gigs, tweet about her, saying that she he, he wrote all her songs, all this kind of stuff. There was one point in 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 the book where she talks about uh, how she was on stage and she saw somebody hold up a banner and the banner said, "I wrote the fear that song." Yeah, and we just played and uh, "Where's my money?" kind of thing, and she knew it was him. Oh God, that's um, so eerie, isn't it? Jesus. Yeah, but just like and uh, what I think, like that alone, having a stalker alone is such a traumatic thing to go through, and then she's got absolutely everything else that's happened to her in her life, yeah. and then. To not be taken seriously by the police, etc. Yeah, it's, it's devastating. There was a lot in that, so I think there might be more to come out of that, perhaps, and mm-hmm. how the police they apparently like destroyed evidence about because they just didn't take her. That they just took her so uh, like glibly that they just yeah. destroyed any evidence that there was. And like he, had, there was a letter that he wrote about how he was going to kill her and all this kind of stuff. Fucking hell! Um, so it's pretty. It's pretty full on in terms of. Um, the pop star narrative. What's really interesting to me in in the book is that um, you get a real inf- insight into how somebody who, as a female pop star, okay, certainly she start she had a famous dad, and mm-hmm. her mother was a um, film director or sorry producer, and. Um, she was around famous people all her life and she kind of, if you were going to criticise the book, you could say that, you know, she is a bit glib about how she 
says she made her own career. I'm sure there was some helping hand in there sure. because, you know, you, you don't hang around those circles without picking up some mm. contacts. But who, who in the music business hasn't had a helping hand from a mate or a cousin or, you know, like it's... Yeah, it's just the way she, she says it. She kind of kind of tries to deflect it. Yeah. That's not really... Um, I mean, that's that's one thing she says in it. But the what's really interesting to me is about how that has fed into her um, I mean the stalker is the most extreme example of it mm-hmm. but how she just constantly gets trolled for who she is how the tabloids uh, pick on her um, because she's a person who, a female pop star who doesn't play the game is a real person with flaws says things that maybe she shouldn't say sometimes mm-hmm. has very strong opinions uh, how it's played out in the media and online she basically says that um, you know she has she has a disconnect between for a long time she had a disconnect between her real self and Cartoon Lily is well how she yeah. called herself. Uh, that's the the person she saw in the tabloids that wasn't her. And how it started to become this self perpetuating uh, thing for her that she was like, well, that's how everyone says I am. Mm. So I should just, I'm just going to be that person. Um, but it leads into a lot of things in terms of paranoia. Her One of her ex-boyfriends sells his story to the son or something about uh, their previous uh, relationship. And um, she has, ends up, you know, as you would imagine, you know, like when she arrived, it was all like, oh, she's this cool girl who wears these prom dresses and, you know, like, Converse yeah, but she was like, earrings. I literally wore that because I wasn't happy with my body and it just got yeah. worse because I was, you know, plastered across the tabloids for everything I did yeah. and, you know, all these kind of things and how, you know, you know, photographers would take upskirt photographs of her and all this kind of stuff. And she was like, I just, I, nothing I can control about this. So, yeah. you know, just this mad, like that whole, you can see the line in, in the book disconnect from reality yeah. and how this parallel life and uh, personality develops as a celebrity and how she ends up not knowing who she can trust and mm. all that kind of stuff. And the fact that she doesn't have a lot of support um, or indeed the wherewithal to uh, cope with that kind of uh, level of, yeah. of fame and uh, she talks a lot about fame in it. Because uh, I think she she became famous at a really interesting time in terms of our relationship with celebrities and their relationship with us. Like she became famous while, you know, Heat Magazine putting the circle of shame on bits of cellulite in your body was still like much, much more prevalent than it is now. And we didn't have this direct access with our celebrities and the people that we admire. And we didn't, we weren't able to tweet them and get the opportunity for them to tweet back. And with, you know, even with stuff like Instagram stories, we've really broken down um, that barrier. But her case is so interesting because she, she was so young when she first started out, like with, with, with that first album, that she was in this completely different type of celebrity and now to for for her to chart how that kind of the decline of that celebrity culture and the rise of a different and in some ways more sinister one has affected her not in terms of her career but in her mental health I think is a really brave action and decision to make um and it's it's a good kind of what's the word it's 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 like it's like an artifact of like a the celebrity culture that exists in, in decline, you know, yeah, yeah. and then this other weird one coming up where we where we demand everything from celebrities. Well, she, I mean, she's still in that world as well because she was very uh, vocal on Twitter and stuff like that. And yeah, like, you talks about how you know somebody towards the end of the book, she talks about how somebody tweeted 
like, hey, Lily, can I smell your privates? And yeah. she responded, yeah, sure, but I'm on the blob. And then <laughs> she got loads of flack for it. And it was like, hold on, he yeah. asked me in the first place. Yeah. So why am I getting the flack? So it's kind of like, is it because she's a woman? Is it because um, she has an opinion? Is it because she doesn't play the game? Or is it because she actually responds? Like, uh, I think like there's, there's a lot to be said for how we have since kind of Britpop um, as a culture treated kind of mouthy female Brits who like listen to music and drink insider and smoke fags and hang out with the lads. And it's it's kind of like once Britpop died, those type of women um, were, were expected to just kind of either grow up or go back to, you know, more, more traditional female pop stars or... And I, th- I think... And any kind of m- mouthy woman, and I'm, I'm obviously using the word mouthy here in like inverted commas, like I think it's an awful way to describe someone, but like th- that kind of, you know, a- a- opinionated woman who's not really afraid to to tweet someone and say, yeah, but I'm on the blob. Like we're, we're all like, oh, but like as a culture, we're like, oh, it's so crass. Ladies shouldn't speak like that. We're still doing that now yeah. in 2018. We're still trying to censor like, and on, on on the one hand, we're like, oh, it's so important to speak about mental health. And it's so important for women to talk about their issues as women and hashtag me too and et cetera, et cetera. And then my theory would be just because she's a kind of mouthy broad, she goes to the police and she's not believed, you know. Yeah. So it's it's this shit that we still that it's still happening. And like, it's so, so brave of her to document that um, in as honest a way as as you've kind of described her having done. Yeah, it's very much a cautious tale of a pop star in the limelight who basically hasn't figured out who she was or is yet. And, but also comes with this whole other baggage about family mm. and sex and drugs and dependency and narcissism. Um, it seems like she's getting to a point where um, she is finding her own way and knows who she is now um but you know it's you if you if you read the thing it's like she had to go through a lot to get yeah. to that point and i hope that the, the the writing and releasing of it is some kind of catharsis for her that she can kind of close the, this chapter or these chapters and kind of i don't know like at, at least she is able to tell her story um yeah well that's the thing it's it's directly from her and it feels like the most intimate um autobiography i can imagine in terms of she doesn't spare any details mm. and there's pro- like there's a lot of things she reveals in the book like the Liam Gallagher thing which you know people didn't know about mm. and you know the fault there's potential fallout from that totally, in the real yeah. world and you know all that kind of stuff so you know she wasn't afraid to put that in the book um and there's a lot of examples in the book of her trying to please other people. Like she talks about even her wedding day, um, uh, how she, uh, Carol Lagerfeld made her uh, a dress and it didn't turn up in, like until the day before, but she like had got somebody else to do a dress for her. But she was such a people pleaser that she was like, okay, I'll wear the I'll other wear one dress, oh. instead of the Carol Lagerfeld. Yeah. Anyway, it's just a small example of, of something that she did, but how she didn't, wasn't looking after herself. But that's um, not something that we would associate with Lily Allen. You yeah. know, this, you know, confident woman who's not afraid to speak her mind and blah, blah, blah. So it's, 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 it's good that she's showing this 
other side. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a tough read, but I definitely would recommend it. Is uh, the book is called My Thoughts Exactly from Lily Allen. And yeah, that's my uh, book of the week. Book recommendation of the week. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, check it out. It's worth a read for sure. Anything else you've been listening to and reading this week? Um, I have been or watching indeed. I've been watching Wild 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 Country. Oh yeah, I've there's just there's that. just yeah, two yeah. wilds. Wild Wild Country. Um, I'm only on like episode three or something but Jesus there's it's a, mental there's a lot going on in that. so I've moved on from kind of true crime and I'm into cults now um, <laughs> which is a dangerous sentence to say but um, yeah really really recommend it it's kind of slow to start part part one is a bit um, it's a six part series part one's a bit slow um, because you're just kind of meeting all these characters but my god does it pick up and you won't be able to believe that you never heard of this before right, like yeah. I, I don't want to give away too much to people but yeah it's insane yeah. and Listening wise, I've actually I've actually just really been bet into Cat Power, and I listened to the first episode of the third season of Serial, which returned. Oh yeah, that's very good actually. I yeah, mean, really, really happy with it. it. Glad they're they're changing it from being like one one story told week by week to just an overarching kind of. Yeah, theme. and I think it frees them up to tell stories. Yeah, like a, in a way that isn't just tied into oh we have to tell this story. Yeah, it's um, so nice to have Sarah Koenig like back in my ears, yeah, <laughs> Mister. It's been really fascinating so far, what I've heard. Um, mm. In in my case, I've been watching. I watched the uh, all six episodes of Bodyguard, that BBC show. Oh, those people have been talking about. I had What's... a weekend off, and I watched it on Friday, and it was gripped. I just watched the whole thing in a row, like Is six like, hours. It's like a crime sort of thing? Um, or? Yeah, kind of. It's like about a security officer um, who gets entangled and embroiled in terrorist plots and like okay. um, parliamentary games and all this kind of stuff. It's, okay. it's kind of silly towards the end, but it's really gripping and very enjoyable. Is to that watch. Netflix or HBO? Or no, it's BBC. Oh, it's BBC. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, it was on BBC. It only finished last week. Uh, but the other thing I've been watching, um, which I had never heard, really heard anything about, the other thing I saw about it was a New Yorker article. I'm not even sure what network it's on. Uh, Succession is a TV show. Um, it is so brilliant. It's the best thing I've seen in a long, long time. It's Basically, about a family who are um, media, a media family who own lots of TV stations and media, and it's about this: who's going to be the successor okay. uh, in the family? Um, and that sounds like a very glib. I'm like, oh, this is going to. I've used glib three times <laughs> in this podcast. It's glib, glib it's the word of the day. Um, um, but it's it sounds like a. It, kind of something that you wouldn't want to watch okay but my god are the characters so well well uh, pictured and, and painted that you're just like oh my god I can't stop watching this it's so okay. good so Brian Cox is the dad he's the he's the mogul the media mogul who has a heart attack and um, he decides not to um Basically, the sons and the daughters are wrestling for control of the company, and there's one guy who's very like ready to do it, um, but his dad doesn't seem to like him. Um, there's a, uh, a political um, the daughter is uh, a board member, and uh, I'm not even sure what they're from. This sounds like the news. Did you ever watch the newsroom? Oh, newsroom was terrible. I'll it was stop terrible. That now. No, let me finish. Kieran Culkin is in it as well. He's fucking brilliant. He's so funny. He's just like this. I couldn't be arse being here, but I'm I'm in the family kind of okay. thing. And then there's a cousin who's like plays it for laughs. Um, he's just like this. Uh, pathetic lowlife who's trying to ingratiate himself into the family mm-hmm. and then on a similar tip there's a guy uh, um, the the uh, daughter's son 
is um, a guy called Tom who's just keeps bullying this guy because he, he just has no personality or no um, power himself. Um, but it's just absolutely brilliant. It sounds like I'm probably not doing it justice at all. It's like transparent um, crossed with, uh, what do we, a oh, veep. With okay. something else that I can't quite put my finger on. Okay, that sounds so really like, interesting. It's, but it's fucking hilarious. Brian Cox is awesome. So yeah, uh, it's very very good and definitely worth watching. Uh, I think it's season one is out there in the ether, so you can check that out. Cool. Very much so. Okay, we'll be back next week. Uh, we don't know where what we're going to be doing. Who knows? John Grant has an album out. I don't know how that's going to be. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe you next we'll, week. we'll be reporting on the Lana Del Rey at Zayla Banks. Yeah. Um, fight. Fist fight. Fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Stay safe. <laughs> we're good. That's it from us uh, this week. Um, a timely reminder, as ever, as all the podcasts do, to you know, if you haven't subscribed to it yet, or you haven't told your friend about it. Uh, tweet about it uh, and just let you know let people know you enjoyed it um, that's the only way we can pick up listeners if you tell people other than ourselves um, so uh, do do that and uh, we are actually on, on we're on Spotify now as well are so we listen to, I didn't know yes I didn't tell you <laughs> um, we're on we're on Spotify, Spotify now you can listen to us on Spotify and all the other podcasts podcast platforms presumably I can say it uh, we're going to leave you with a song from a northern art- artist called Arvo Party who released an album uh, just simply titled 2 in the numerals um, last week and uh, this is a lovely track um, from him called Dance and that is it from us myself and Andrea thank you so much uh, we'll talk to you next week bye